What's up everybody? Welcome to the Red and Ron show and this beautiful place here is sponsored by Any Taxi. Today we have Rahul Jeremiah who is known for his unconventional standards of teaching science uh, which involves uh, interactive sessions, games and uh, hands-on experience for the students who are learning science. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing? Uh, I started out my institute after my graduations. It started with few students, a couple of students. I never thought, you know, the conventional method of teaching was the correct way of teaching. So I experimented on few students which turned out to be quite well. So and now I have a bunch of students and my place is quite small to accommodate them. I have I have been running around to get get my institute registered and hoping that when it gets registered I'll have more students and number of faculties teaching the teaching in the same method I've been teaching this far. So currently it is only you who is uh, running yes, the institution? Exactly. Okay, so what are the different methods that you implement in your institution? Uh, the I like when the students kind of engage themselves in the learning process, okay. uh, gaining the first-hand experience themselves. It's not only about teaching, mm. it's about letting them know something. Because when you see the kids are actually curious about knowing something okay. and if you cannot quench the thirst of curiosity in them, they will remain thirsty for the rest of their life and they start on something different. Mm. The course changes, you get dull, you get bored. So what I do is they re I retain the curiosity by engaging them into activities like man ma mind mapping games which I use to teach mathematics and I use this technique called Feynman technique uh, Feynman, which is yes. which is by letting the students act as the teacher you know I give them the basic concept about anything basically science anything and I then and I tell them what do you, what is the basic thing what is the most you know what is the first thing that comes in your head when I talk about gravity mm. and uh, they say sometimes it's apple mm. sometimes it's Newton mm. and I tell them to give a 10 liner you know mm. a 10 liner on what is gravity for mm. you mm. They come up with various things. Sometimes it's ridiculous. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's absolute genius. Mm -hmm. I think you know it, that mm -hmm. could be turned into a new theory. So this is how I teach. And then I tell them to sit down and, and explain what gravity is. That is how they come to know in a very engaging method what gravity actually is. Uh, this is this was started out by Richard Feynman, one of the greatest teacher ever in the world. Also my favorite physicist. So, and uh, I thought like you know this is this has been you know this this has actually helped me shape their curiosity mm. shape and rather than lose it by the course of time okay so Richard Feynman is one of the people that you have derived some of the techniques from is there any other people who you looked up to or like derived some sort of information from yeah exactly uh, there's, there's, there's a prominent psychologist called Carol S. Dewick Dr. Carol S. Dewick who wrote the book Mindset so the book talks about fixed mindset and growth mindset. So I always encourage my students to have a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. If there is a thing on the table that you have not learned yet, put it on a post, po mm -hmm. put a post note on it, you know, mm -hmm. stick note on it and put a conviction in yourself that you are going to learn it by the end of the week. So by the end of the week, none of my students none of my students go home you know without learning the thing that that's mm. posted on the stick note so i challenge them i i don't like to you know i i don't like to uh, categorize students as brainy average or below average they're students 
that's why they are there's a, there's a there's a uniform term used for them that is students none of them is average none mm. of them is average like, you know we don't categorize them so it has given me the upper hand in shaping their mindset and i've always you know i have always encouraged them to have growth mindset yeah that is nice even i actually agree to you when you say a growth mindset is important because there are things that you don't know and there are the things that you don't know that you don't know right <laughs> exactly taking in consideration of the growth mindset uh, are there any methods or techniques that you yourself have implemented to learn more things and learn new things uh yeah exactly uh i learned music i learned painting uh i like i learned poetry i learned english literature coming from a science background learning literature was not quite <laughs> quite an easy deal and uh, to say there are a lot of things i've learned uh, using the growth mindset method to be very honest coming from a conventional you know educational system background i have always been taught experimental physics physics that is totally outdated and uh, i had the curiosity to learn quantum physics i i i thought i would be a great scientist someday which i in turn turns out to be a hand like you know i was turned down by fate or destiny <laughs> but then i never stopped it never stopped me that i am not a scientist from reading stephen hawking's reading books by michio kaku reading books by uh, neil de grayson tyson so there always has to be a drive in you to learn new things and to learn that drive is always fueled by the growth mindset so i think growth mindset is is one of the fundamental you know fundamental principles of my life is nice uh you mentioned uh, some books which has helped you in this journey uh, are there any uh, books that have made uh, the sim- a similar impact on you like some books that have changed your life to put it in a different way uh, have you uh, what are the books that you have most gifted okay so if there is a person if there is a person i would like to gift uh, i would like to gift a book and uh, the book would definitely be the spoke zarathustra by friedrich nietzsche, nietzsche which talks about uh, a guy called zarathustra it talks about um, the cultural constructs of the world and uh, actually the only reason i really really like the book is there is an incident where zarathustra is actually taking a walk down uh, down this like you know taking a walk and uh, suddenly a demon whispers in his ears you know suddenly a demon whispers in his ears let's just let's just put ourselves into that situation if there is a demon in that's that whispers in your ears says that if you have to live the same life you're living right now with all its trials and sufferings and miseries and joys and what nots again and again and again and again endlessly would you curse that demon would you curse that devil or would you you know jump in excitement or you, would you get you know enthralled and you know you know happy about the fact that you get to live the life you have right now again and again this concept is actually called amur fati in yes. philosophy to embrace the life you actually have it kind of hit me and i want people i want everybody who is who is a reader i want every person in this world to accept their faith you know because only by accepting our fate there is salvation there is a there is an option to overcome ourselves 
and without overcoming ourselves, we are not by the anxiety of not living up to our potentials. Amor fati, right? To love Amor your feet. Yeah. Not this, just to love yeah. it, but to embrace, embrace it. it. You know? Yes. Uh, this kind of reminds me of this uh, story by uh, story in a book by Albert Camus, uh, the myth of Sisyphus. Sisyphus. And and the man must be, you know, uh, even though how much meaningless a task is, like one must imagine. Uh, Sisyphus happy, right? Yeah, exactly. So, are there any other philosophies that you look into uh, other than uh, the nihilistic views? <laughs> <clears throat> so, Sisyphus, yeah, Sisyphus, like you know, there's a there's a, there's a there's a point in the book where Albert Camus mentions that Sisyphus he himself becomes the rock. Okay. So, I I went quite deep into that words. You know, how can one become the suffering himself? Okay. The boulder himself, and then I realized that he was trying to. Camus is actually trying to point to the basic fact, the basic tenet of his philosophy, that is, life itself is a suffering. Mm, yes. That is why suicide is a problem. Yeah. Suicide is a problem because life is a suffering. So there were they, they, basically to avoid life. There are two basic methods, like two fundamental ways of avoiding the miseries of life. Either by philosophical suicide, as Soren Kierkegaard says, by converting yourself into a faith that gives higher meaning to your existence, like Christianity does. So once you have that higher purpose in life, uh, coming from a different source, a different, you know, a higher deity, you get a meaning. That is a philosophical suicide. And then there's physical suicide, which Camus talks about, which is killing yourself. Mm. So to avoid both, there is only one way to avoid both. And that is by becoming the boulder itself, letting your life become suffering. You have a meaning, and that mm. is suffering. It kind of reminds me of yeah. Buddha. <laughs> yeah. Right. Even <laughs> even he had this idea about suffering being the ultimate, you know, uh, method for salvation. Right. Like to embrace it. Uh, so there must have been times uh, of hardships. Are there any like favorite failures? Favorite failures. Yeah, I like that one. Favorite failures. <laughs> oh, okay, I will say. Um, there are a lot of favorite failures. There are a lot of favorite failures. Uh, back when when I back in 2015, I had to drop mathematics. I had to drop mathematics uh, because I was terribly ill. And then, due to some financial crisis, I could not continue my studies. So, and then, you know, it could have been the end game for me. It could have been the end game for me. But then I realized that there are so many options in the world lying right in front of me. You know, there are opportunities. And uh, something hit me. I took up literature. I don't know what was going around my head. I took English literature. And then, I, as uh, the moment I took literature, I was introduced to. Uh, various philosophers, various philosophers, starting with Nietzsche, and then Camus, and then Kierkegaard, and then Foucault. So it was only after taking literature I was introduced to philosophy, and I'm really thankful about, thankful to, to, to that failure in my life where I could not fetch a seat for mathematics. So I'd call that my favorite failure. Okay, favorite successes. Favorite successes. I don't think I don't think there is actually a success. There is only a stepping stone, and uh, one of my favorite stepping stone is when I realize that 
that my dad is proud of me. <laughs> despite the fact that i am whatever i am doing right now is totally over his head he always has supported me and uh, knowing that there is a person behind me who supports me without knowing the reason why he is doing it, why is he doing that it's quite an achievement because as carl sagan says you know this cosmos is an empty world and if you find someone who is actually making this emptiness bearable for you that is quite an accomplishment so you you have to leave the world better than how you found it yes exactly that okay. is the purpose of life <laughs> yes so uh, since you come from a, a, like a scientific background so and uh, you have a rational mindset towards uh, problem solving or life and life itself and how important is it to have a rational mindset in dealing with life and hardships if you see into uh, like if you will actually observe today's world we are flooded with information yes. we are flooded with information we are flooded with news unfiltered news we are flooded with images of violence and you know all sort of stuff so in a world which is not filtered where censorship has gone vague and you know like has totally nullified itself you know censorship there is no censorship i think it is of utmost importance to have a rational mindset to define what is right to define what is wrong to have a mindset to actually categorize things from facts from rumors to categorize or filter filtrate you know feelings from decision making and uh, that is when stoic philosophy comes into practice stoicism focuses on the core of the subject rather than the emotional and sentimental layers surrounding it so in today's world which is engulfed with information which could be false which could be true it is very important to have a rational mindset this uh, book by uh, it's not a book it's a collection of letters moral letters to lucilius seneca, seneca yes. and he talks about how important it is to segregate things from which you can control and the things which you can't and uh, and that uh, actually came across as a very good technique to you know segregate uh, things which are important to you and to segregate emotional from what is rational uh, are there any techniques that uh, which you uh, apply to your life that could that helps you make better decisions uh, yeah exactly the 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 one you mentioned you know things we which we can control and things we which we don't so not only in letters to a stoic by seneca there's a book called seven habits of highly effective people uh so even in that book uh, steven arcovey the the author of the book mentions to make us two different two huge circles in a piece of paper and in one piece of in one circle write down all the things that concern you mm. and write down and the other and in the other circle write down all the things that you can influence so things which we are which we are concerned of are not always the things we can actually influence so the bigger the circle of influence the smaller the circle of concern becomes so smaller the circle eh, the bigger the circle of concern becomes the smaller the circle of influence becomes so i have i have like tried to you know put this into into my like put this into practice in my life and i found out that there are so many things in life as a human we cannot control mm -hmm. we cannot com 
control the government we cannot control the oil price we cannot control what uh, what the war we cannot control uh, the wrongdoings that are going around now life we cannot control what others think of us we cannot control you know basically we cannot control what we are concerned of yeah the only thing we can control of is our mindset yes. like uh, marcus aurelius mentioned in his book meditations the only asset you will live with is your mind yeah so calm it down <laughs> especially in this attention economy right when information is flooding from everywhere and people are so much like worried about their social media presence it becomes quite imperative to find your ground right and uh, to mention of meditations i think journaling is a very good habit like uh, to you know implement and uh, i ha- i have this like personal query like stoicism talks about controlling uh, it's not actually bottling up emotions it's segregating uh, emotional from what is rational right so my query is uh, there are times when you might need to show an outburst right so this this dilemma mm, dilemma uh, first to answer your query about attention economy yeah. so we we were actually not that we we are not the kind of beans you know species that kind of likes attention uh, if you look into our evolutionary phase humans like to get grounded actually to stay stay safe from the predators it is only after the hit of the social media you know revolution that attention we like to seek attention we like to have a spotlight effect the imaginary audience phenomena as we call in psychology what we have developed in this phase is is a you know psychological delusion that we have been watched mm-hmm. and uh, that is quite visible in the works of george orwell as well Big every problem. action is been surveyed <laughs> yeah. you know so what we do is when we when we have the uh, the, the subconscious belief that we have been surveyed mm-hmm. we like to present ourselves under yes. the halo under an halo you know mm-hmm. that's called the imaginary audience effect so we don't want the world we don't want the world to see the you know bitter side mm-hmm. of us the dark side of us so what we do is we portray do we get the sense of authorship using social media to portray as we want mm-hmm. us to be portrayed Mm. so what we do is we like social media because we choose mm. what we are yeah we become the drivers we become the drivers of this uh, idea of an imaginary audience and we sort of become the in charge of our lives right and uh, how uh, how can one find his ground when you have this feeling of being constantly watched amor fati <laughs> love your faith right love your faith uh, if you are evil from the core uh, it's like nietzsche says there's no good and there's no evil there's no truth there is no false you know only perceptions it does not matter what you are you might be greedy for your country but for some some for your family you might not be so what happens is we have a very small space a small area of speculation about ourselves mm-hmm. so it does not really need to be good or bad it just okay. needs to be you so i think to counter the idea of you know the surveillance being watched and need that necessity to portray only the good side of us i don't think there is actually a necessity to portray the good mm-hmm. side of us just embrace yourself if you are bad just be bad if you are good at it just be mm-hmm. good at it <laughs> yeah 
even it can be used in a different way right i would yeah. not not every people not every one of us want to like show show the better side of things some it can be used in a better way i think sort of like if you if you can imagine yourself as a producer rather than a consumer like which we in red and ron do we think of ourselves <laughs> as producer of good content so i guess it is pretty much you know segregating yourself from uh, segregating yourself to see which side do you belong on and not to like put both your feet on both the sides right so talking about your uh, institution back to your institution and uh, how are like students dealing with you know scientific concepts curiously <laughs> curiously <laughs> yeah yeah uh, they they i i'm really fascinated by the level of curiosity they present you know they put on the table right in front of me whenever i say that you know the certain numbers are divisible by 2 and certain numbers are not the question is why and this is this why is what i like in in students you know as a as a person who preaches curiosity who preaches educational reforms in our system i think this why this why becomes our purpose as an educational reform to get answered if there is a number certain certain number divisible by 2 and certain number not divisible by 2 and if there is a student even if there is a single student in your class asking why it becomes your responsibility to answer it so my my reforms or the the, the motive of my uh, motive of me starting my institute or my my tuitions is to answer this why to inculcate the philosophy of why in all the teachers who are teaching the generations that are coming ahead of us that is what i want how would you differentiate yourself from the teachers who have uh, like uh, you know taught all through these years and, and there are certain things that uh, they might not necessarily be able to you know uh, teach the students uh, due to uh, due to a lot of overload of information and like certain techniques that are going on and i'm pretty sure a lot of students might find it difficult to understand from the teachers of the past right so how different is it from the teachers of the past uh this this is one particular difference i would like to point out is the level of like the, the the level of you know thinking skills when a teacher teaches a student he should not actually teach him from his level of perspective perception you know because he is a teacher who is already graduated in a specific subject and he has a broad knowledge about the whole subject if i am teaching mathematics to a ninth grader i might i must have to go down to that level of the ninth grader and teach him the way he will actually understand it and not only understands and solves it but retains it and makes it applicable in other standards of like you know subject so what i want is not my students to not only know that two atoms of hydrogen and one atom of oxygen will make water but in case when they are given two atoms of hydrogen and one atom of oxygen i want my students to actually make water out of it so that is what we need it's a basic it's a basic you know thing everybody knows two atoms of hydrogen one atom of oxygen water but can you make water out of it and are we doing something about it when somebody says no
that is my that that is a huge question right in front of right in my table right right in the table of huge educational like you know prominent educational reformist out there in the world trying to make education you know better for the students to come if there is a no on the table why is it there and why is nobody paying attention how difficult has it been to implement such techniques when everyone is following the conventional standards how difficult has it been for you to like make a landmark on this or for you to implement this uh it started with my students getting low grades at the initial mm. in at the initial phase because they thought you know um I, i used to teach this technique where the students could actually add you know add or multiply two different uh, like huge sum of numbers in just one line which is a very unconventional method mm-hmm. because we need to go through a process in mathematics and uh, the school the school teachers would actually strike <laughs> strike them out mm-hmm. and you know cut them out and say it's wrong which is actually not if you'll ask the calculator <laughs> so uh, it's very difficult it's very difficult because even among teachers there's a point of there's a perception there's a there's a there's a perception that they think that what they teach is absolutely right and i would emphasize the word that is absolute but science was never absolute mm. science mathematics was never absolute there is a constant it's a dynamic subject there's a constant dynamics taking place in the field of science and mathematics and we need to embrace that if there is a thing that can be simplified in a single line one must not consume a lot of paper if you are to talk in environment as well so if it can be solved in a matter of few seconds let's not take five <laughs> as we are all aware of there's a huge mental health crisis out here in sikkim and uh, do you think is there a like ray of hope or are there any suggestions from you for the youth look observing the current uh, current environment you know the current social environment we live in mental health crisis has become a huge problem there are more depressed you know depressed young people than there was ever in our state uh, ever before so i think it is it is a phenomena that needs crucial attention from every every section of the society not just the authorities not just the uh, medical you know expertise uh, expertise but also from the the from the family point of view from the friend circle i think it is very hard to recognize who is actually mentally you know mentally you know deprived of certain emotions or who is actually emotionally downtrodden it is very hard to recognize it one could be one could be very sad at a moment you know there is a, there is an influx of emotions in an individual and uh, it is very hard to pierce through that spectrum but there is always hope there is always hope for everything if you are going through depression i would say you know you are not the only one just the fact that you are not the only one this statement should be enough to let you know that there is always hope yes uh, so there needs to be a sense of belongingness uh, that uh, we are all you know especially in an age when uh, a lot of connectivity we have a lot of connectivity we have uh, internet we have social media and then we have this idea of connectivity and then uh, we need a sense of belongingness as you have said uh, to battle uh, mental illness and depression and 
even when there are a lot of technologies that is aiding the process of you know being connected with people there are still people who feel lonely there are people who are feeling more lonely because of social media and what do you have to say about this okay so that that is a, that is quite a personal problem actually to feel lonely the fomo you are talking about fomo yeah. fear of missing out so uh, the 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 loneliness that actually sprouts or comes out of you know social media uh, segregation or when you are actually when you don't get enough attention on social media is a, is on a personal level mm. you need to tackle it yourself mm. there is no, no there is no you know there is no rehabilitation center that will actually you know there is no group sharing or something where you where you go and share you know i don't get enough likes and i don't get enough comments mm-hmm. in my photos mm. so this is this is you know this is this is what i there is a line by nature that says you know our bad love of ourselves mm. you know makes us feel lonely it's an aggression yeah, yeah, it's yes yeah. makes us feel lonely because we don't like our own company mm. we don't like to sit alone and ponder upon things yes. that are around us you know mm. we don't like to feel grateful for what things that we have mm. because we are constantly being fed by ads and you know mm. consumerist consumerism capitalist nation ads and stuffs like that you know posters holdings we are always filled with a sense of void filled with a sense of void that uh, as in a sense like I don't own a certain thing. Mm. I don't own a nice pair of shoes. Mm. I don't have a I don't have a good-looking boyfriend and I don't have a pretty girlfriend mm. or I don't have a certain expensive watch mm. or I don't have a cell phone that's like you know very trendy. So we are always, you know, there is always a hole that is dug by our capitalist mm. society. And uh, to fill that void, we need to have that product. Yeah. So there there is only one cure to it. one remedy to it is that you need to love yourself not justin bieber kind of love yourself stuff <laughs> but you need to literally amor fati <laughs> <laughs> nice. you need to literally amor fati you need to have the audacity to sit alone and love yourself for who you are and not what others want you to be uh, so there's this uh, movement that i have heard of it's called minimalism and people and in this movement people are you know trying to you know sell out a lot of goods that they own because they have sort of realized that they own a lot of stuff that they don't they don't need <laughs> like uh, there's this famous quote by fight club we buy shit we don't need to impress the people, people we, we hate, don't right? like so how do you think uh, minimalism is aiding the process uh, in this capitalistic world you know to finding to find yourself and to embrace amor uh, embrace your fate <laughs> as amor fati <laughs> so minimalism minimalism is uh, like i think it comes from a you know some it come it 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 kind of you know philosoph- philosophizes everything from stoic philosophy itself mm. you know because uh you, have you heard of the guy diogenes yes yes the, the guy dog. who actually had a bowl but <laughs> yeah. even he threw it off because oh. he thought he was becoming too materialistic <laughs> so when we think of diogenes we get to know that he was insane mm. that is insanity but mm. insanity cannot be defined mm. who could define insanity what is a, what is insane for a person can be reality for the other as mm. nietzsche says mm. so minimalism could be a, a, an approach to finding out that you could be liberated 
liberated from the construct that has been created around you know the 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 world that has been created around you by materialistic approach of life so what do you do is when you when you want to be a minimalist what do you do is you break through the shackles of capitalism yeah. <laughs> that's this capitalistic mm. perspective of life you know that you need to have certain things mm. to be certain per, uh, be a certain person in your life Capit- minimalism is all about that Yeah. but to embrace it or to, to embrace it or not to embrace it is all upon you yeah. because to have a higher purpose in life if you look at the life of caesar if you look into the life of julius caesar he he reached a peak where no man actually could but we could not we cannot say we cannot say that whether he was good or bad we cannot comment on that you know people have to thrive human nature has to thrive mm-hmm. and uh, it, it is either by you know going minimalist or by going too extravagant doesn't matter mm-hmm. but you need to thrive for something mm-hmm. that is the core philosophy of life mm-hmm. at least thrive for something mm-hmm. and i think we get a so, sort of you know this false sense of satisfaction whenever you whenever you so, someone drops a like or a comment and uh, to talk about diogenes like he i i heard of the story where he is like you know asking for money uh, at, a, at a, like in front of a statue and people are like what are you doing and then he's like he's practicing rejection, <laughs> rejection. you know <laughs> so i i guess it's sort of to embrace the discomfort of uh, you know not being accepted all the time maybe like it is and then you've said uh, that one needs to be able to sit alone uh, with company of himself right and it's very uncomfortable and i guess it's sort of you know accepting the discomfort steve jobs no matter how busy he was would always sit down for 10 minutes at the end of the day and you know do breathing exercise and mm. during that period he used to question himself that if this was the last day of my life would i would I, would i be happy doing what i'm doing right now mm. this is the question we need to ask ourselves every day of our life you know yeah. as a person that if i if 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 i as a person wake up in the morning drag myself to work which i even don't like be in a relationship with a person which i don't even consider to be good enough for me or you know is striving for something that i actually don't need i need to sit down calm the fuck down and ask myself if this was the last day of my life would i be happy doing what i'm doing right now If the answer is straight no for three times you need to stop there. You need to you change, need to change the course of your life. You need to find something more passionate than that. Nice. That's quite nice. Thank you so much for coming to our show. Thank That's you. It was really future. nice. It was really nice. If you like their work, if you like to hear more talks like this on art and culture, please hit the like button and subscribe to their channel and please do comment. Thank you.